0: Talk Radio 96.7. We are talking sports in the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O. and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash.
1: All right. Ronnie O. and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. Give us a call, 682 1430. That's 682 1430. You can join in the conversation because we're talking sports. Or if you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Well, it's finally here. Football season is here, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be here Saturday night, right here on WLKF 96.7 FM, 1430 AM. And the game kicks off at 7.30 against the Colts. They're at the Colts in Indianapolis. Pregame will start at 6.30. Coach Joe, some guy named Brady is supposed to be back this week.
2: Well, that's how you know football season's officially started is when Tom (laughs) Brady actually uh, shows up and starts throwing those passes. Now, it seems like he was gone forever Uh, But he was uh, actually gone for 11 days.
1: Cruising on Eric Clark's yachts, one of his fleet of yachts.
2: I believe that's what he was doing, a uh, vacation in a luxury resort somewhere in the islands. It's not true! (laughs) Okay, maybe he was doing something else then (laughs) on Eric's yacht. I don't know. (laughs) But he is back, and they're going to start Brady in this game. So if you want to see a little bit of Tom Brady before the regular season starts against the Dallas Cowboys... Uh, two weeks from Sunday, then you sh- should turn in early and uh, watch <laughs> and or listen here on ninety six point seven.
1: There you go. We well, you know, I thought Kyle Trask kind of had a mixed bag um, in the time he got to play. He did get to play quite a bit, which he has not appeared in a regular season game yet. But we hope that he will. And he, uh, yeah, he got he, a he lot. Did of some praise. good things and made yeah. some mistakes, but it seemed like. The receivers, he was let down by his teammates on several occasions.
2: There were a couple of big plays that could have been made, and some of those young receivers who probably won't make the team it didn't come down with with, uh, with what I thought were pretty good throws. And the offensive line let him down, too, with a couple of holding penalties, and they gave him poor protection, which, which led to the interception that he threw when his arm was hit. And, of course, uh, there was a couple of times when the guys did uh, make the catches from his throws – and they fumbled so, yeah. so there was but uh, yeah. I was I was about to say that Todd Bowles uh, gave him a lot of praise in his press conference today uh, for for Kyle Trask and he played a very good game against the Dolphins I thought he actually brought them downfield converted on fourth down had them in field goal range and uh, the kick went went awry. Borgalis <laughs> so, a former
1: yeah. kicker for the Hurricanes did, did he go to FIU or FAU before that uh,
2: I think they uh I think it was FIU. Uh, I get those teams mixed up. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think that it was, but Borogales actually still around with the Bucks. It's it's interesting. You don't think that Ryan Suckup's going to get replaced. Uh he he did make a 53-yarder in the game the Bucks only points against Tennessee. I think though that with kickers and they get a young guy like Borogales who who has a great leg, if they figure he can make make it at all, they're going to stick with him. But uh uh, Suckup is so reliable, and a lot of times the reliability trumps the, the leg strength. So I think the Bucks are going to wait till the very last second to make a decision on that.
1: Gator fans may remember Suckup as the South Carolina kicker whose kick we blocked in '06. 06. Yeah. yeah. 16 yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs>
2: hey, you know, uh, he has to be good if he's lasted that long, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that guy, he— he was really good in college and he's been a great pro and he's hung around a long time, but you alluded to this. If you've got one guy, if they're about even in the less expensive kicker can do the job, then they're going to cut that veteran.
2: Yeah. I think whoever does end up not on the bucks is going to find a job somewhere else. There's a lot of need for kickers out there and that, that you just making the roster doesn't guarantee anything. I've seen guys have bad opening games and, not even that bad. Just miss a key field goal, boom, they're out the next day. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's very, uh, very hard. It's a great job, but it's a hard job to hang on to.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Shane Matthews, the Gators' new color commentator on the broadcasts. And we've had Shane on before, but uh, I think you'll enjoy this. We're getting ready to... Hook him up, and uh, the legendary Clarkster will get him on the phone. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.
3: This is Marcus Alson, former QB at Florida State, better known by many as The Rooster. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone.
0: The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. We're back. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland.
1: All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And you can hear Florida Gator broadcasts on our sister station, Wnn 107.1. And the brand new color commentator is with us tonight, Shane Matthews. Shane, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
3: I appreciate y'all having me on.
1: Oh, man, we're really glad to have you on. Shane, you were the SEC Player of the Year in 90 and 91, and I'll never forget Coach Spurrier, when he came down to our Gator gathering in 1990, someone asked him, said, Coach, who's going to be the quarterback? He said, I don't know yet, but he said, I'll tell you this, whoever it is will lead the SEC in passing. Now, you emerged from fifth on the depth chart to win the job, and I think a lot of that I've heard you say, was attributable to the fact that you had played for your dad in high school back in Pascagoula, Mississippi. What do you think it was?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been around football my whole life, so I understood X's and O's very well. Uh, I picked up Coach Furrier's system extremely fast. I, I was fortunate. I don't have a photographic memory, but I never – After I saw a play one time, I never looked at it again. I never studied a playbook in my entire life, really. Uh, When a coach installed plays, I just, when they put it on the board, I would see it and I knew what everybody did. So uh, that's why I lasted in the NFL as long as I did because of my mind. And, um, you know, I just thought like a coach. Uh, You know, sometimes, you know, your calling in life is a certain thing. Mine was coaching. And unfortunately, I didn't really get to do it because I played too long. (laughs)
1: Shane two things that stick out to me about that 1990 season for you guys was first of all the Oklahoma State game you know you guys came out and right away you just marched right down the field and then I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that game and then maybe the pivotal game in the whole Spurrier era was that game at Tuscaloosa against Alabama what do you remember about those two games?
3: Well, the Oklahoma State game, as you mentioned, uh, Coach named the starter, and, and he caught a lot of flack from Gator Boosters around the state for uh, wanting to start a kid who would never taken a snap. Uh, but, yeah, we uh, – you know, I the, the think the thing that stands out the most is just how fast we scored in five plays. You know, we hit Ernie Mills on the first play of the, of the Spurrier error for about a 28-yard gainer. I completed a couple more passes, and then Dexter McNabb scored from about three yards out on a tall sweep. Uh, But it was a huge game. I think it kind of, like, shocked a lot of Gator fans. Uh, But the the most important victory in game in Florida football history, a lot of people think it's national championship games and things like that, but it wasn't. As you mentioned, it was uh, week two in 1990 at Tuscaloosa uh, because Florida had never won an official title struggled beating good teams on the road. And and Coach Spurs is like, look, if we're going to win championships here, we have to find a way to win on the road and win big games. And to go into a place in Tuscaloosa with all the tradition, um, that was a big game. We kind of sputtered around, but we found a way to win it.
1: The critical play I remember about that game is you're backed up and traditional SEC strategy said, all right, just run a couple plays, kick it out of here and play good defense the Ernie Mills route emerged talk a little bit about that play
3: yeah uh basically we're on our own one yard line and we haven't been a really able to block them all day and coach signals in a play action pass from our own one where I have to drop seven step drop or play action in my own end zone and uh yeah, I just, uh, the safety bit up on our end cut, and I just launched it down the middle of the field, and Ernie ran underneath it. And unfortunately, the turf monster got him on about the 28-yard line, I think, or he would, it would have been a 99-yarder. And, uh, but we, we, went, we, we got in the end zone a couple plays later.
2: Our guest tonight, Gator great Shane Matthews, joining us here in the Ozone, 682-1430, 1430 If you want to join us in the conversation, Shane was just telling us about the, one of the most important games in Gator history in 1990 at Alabama. Well, Shane, uh, that was the start of a new era, and here we are in 2022, the start of a new era. Uh, how important is the opener against Utah
3: Well, it's very important. Now, it's a little different situation here. Uh, Utah is a top-ten team. Some people have them in their top five. They're defending Pac-12 champs, and they got 17 starters back. Uh, they're coached extremely well. Uh, have, they're a very, very good football team. Um, look, it, it's going to be a tough night in the swamp. You know, the crowd, the atmosphere is going to be outstanding. But this is, this is, is going to be a difficult task. Um, I love what Billy Napier and his staff have done in this short period of time. We're in good hands. It's just going to take a little time to get us back and get, get the program where Billy wants it.
2: Well, you know, it's also a new era in the broadcast booth. Congratulations on being named a full-time color commentator for Gator football. You'll be working with Sean Kelly. Uh, and uh, now you guys have yet, haven't had any chance to work together before, the two of you, or have you been rehearsing?
3: No, I've never done, uh, we've never done a game together. I have met Sean several times, you know, when I see him at practice, but, you know, I did all the away games last year, uh, with Mick and we never practiced one time. You know, it's easy. The the, the play-by-play guy, obviously these guys have done stuff like this their whole life lives, but, uh, I mean, all I got to do is just kind of say what happens after the play is over. So, uh you know, we'll see. Oh, you know, it's like you said, it's a new era. Sean's coming in with a new football coach, and a new basketball coach, and we've yet to win a game with me in the radio booth. We're 0 and 5, or 0 and 6. <laughs> so, uh, we, we got, we got to play better football. That's what I tell our people. We've got to play better football.
2: Well, you know, Shane, the, the last time we had John, we were just talking about this uh, before the show was right before the Alabama game last year. And, uh, we talked about, you know, what Emory Jones needed to improve and, 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 what the Gators could do against Alabama and going forward. That seems like an entirely different uh, uh, generation ago. I mean, so much has changed just in the last year. And now, now this talk besides uh, the new coach. Uh, we've got a new facility there. Have you had a chance to look at that?
3: Oh, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I've been preaching for the last 10 or 12 years that we needed one because everybody in America has one but us. And uh, it's going to help us in recruiting. It may not make a big impact this year, uh, but it's great for these athletes. And um, I tell you, it's it's phenomenal. You know, it's one of the best in the country, and it's something that we've needed for a long time.
1: Shane, uh, I know you can't talk a lot about what you've seen at practice, but is there anybody – is there a Shane Matthews that's going to emerge at any position – from the depth chart that we might not have seen play well and star for the Gators?
3: Uh, Well, I mean, Ricky Pearsall is, is a really good player. Uh, he's probably our best receiver. He's our fastest. He's very elusive. If he can stay healthy, he can make some things happen. Um, You know, I, there's another receiver that I like a lot. Uh, I don't know where he's going to fit in the rotation. I don't know if he'll play at all is dejon Reynolds. I think he's a, Redshirt, sophomore, red shirt freshman out of Georgia. I, I just like his game. Um, but it, it, it's hard to tell right now. You know, when you practice against one another, it's just it's hard to tell. So we're a young football team. You know, a lot of people just don't realize it, and, and our quarterback is very young. I mean, I love Billy Napier's comment. You know, Anthony's got all the talent in the world, but he's completed three, 33 passes in, it, in it, you know, as a Gator. That ain't a whole lot, <laughs> you know. As, as he said in his press conference, Gator, Gator, Gator quarterbacks usually complete thirty-three in a game. So uh, we'll see. But 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 Anthony's got to use his legs for us to have a chance this year. He's got to be a he's an, an elusive runner with great escapability and just he's 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 dynamic on the run. And he's got to run the football
2: this year. He has to stay healthy too. Uh, Jack Miller he's still out injured. Who would be the potential uh, backup if something happens
3: you know I I don't really know the answer to that but you know as a play caller you can't worry about a guy getting hurt um I tell everybody that it's crazy that um in coach Spurrier's 12 years here he didn't have a starting quarterback miss a game a start and we took a beating you know when Anthony he doesn't get sacked very often and it's and, and you usually don't get hurt when you see people coming at you. When you're a runner, you can protect yourself. What's bad as a quarterback is when you get blindsided and whiplash in the back and driven into the ground. Uh, that is very, very painful. So, yeah, he needs to stay healthy. There's no question. But you can't call a game worried about him getting getting
1: hurt. Shane, um, you are a busy, busy man. It's unbelievable the schedule that you keep talking. Tell our listeners about your podcast. It's really worth listening to.
3: Yeah, I do a podcast five days a week. It's live on Facebook Live, uh, YouTube, Spotify, all those different platforms that I'm not familiar with. I, don't, I just turn my computer <laughs> on and do my show. Um, but it's but it's from eight to nine live. You can always go back and listen to it. I also work for a buddy of mine who's had a sporting goods business out of Jacksville for about 30 years. We do all the high school uniforms and a lot of corporate stuff, so I enjoy doing that. It keeps me busy, and now I got the radio gig, but that's that's just twelve times a year, um, <laughs> twelve days a year, I should say. So I stay busy. Um, I was in that retired stage for about three or four years, not fig- trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I coach high school ball till my son graduated, um, so I, I do stay very busy now. But our po- my podcast is on Facebook Live. Uh, YouTube, all that stuff, but it's pot up with Matthews in the morning. And, um, yeah, we'd love the more people that listen, the better.
1: Oh, it is outstanding. I listen all the time. And, uh, you talked about getting hit one of the most intense games. You had a lot of games where, you know, that were important games. One of the most important, well, I don't know if it was the most important, but it was to me because I despise FSU was the 1991 game. And that was an intense football game. And in a close game, you hit a pass. I think it was Harrison Houston in that game. What do you remember about that 91 FSU game?
3: Well, it was supposed to be a shootout, but it was a defensive just – I mean, just a slugfest. Uh, Like the second play of the game, I got – my left ankle got rolled up and my right knee. And, I mean, I, I somehow played through the game. had to get my knee scoped the day after the game. But it was uh yeah, I, I got kinda asked, escaped the pocket. And my old high school teammate, Terrell Buckley, who plays for Florida State, <laughs> he kinda I don't know why he it kinda came up and thought I was gonna run the football, I guess, and it kinda left Harrison open and he catches it and outruns everybody. But it was uh it was one of the loudest times ever in the swamp and, and a great win for the Gators.
2: We're talking to Shane Matthews, still a chance to call, if you like, 682-1430, 682 Shane, uh, besides being the color commentator on the Gator Radio Network, uh, also hosts a podcast every morning, a pod up with Matthews in the morning, and is on Inside the Huddle on WRUF in Gainesville every Tuesday, and uh, talking with us now. Uh, Shane, you know, so much has changed in, in college football. Uh, the... Is that why we needed a new coach? Because it's a whole different ball game than even it was a year ago. We need a whole, we need this sort of mindset that Billy Napier brings with the army of administrators and analysts, as opposed to a few coaches who look at some film and, and, you know, hit the high schools.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the blueprint. It's worked for Clemson. It's worked for Georgia. And it's worked for Alabama. I mean, you look at, who's won the national title the last 10, 12 years, is all those schools. And Billy knows how it all works. And he knows Florida can, can be one of those schools. We have all the resources. We have the tradition. We have the players. Uh, we, it's just going to take some time. And, you know, I don't think Billy Napier takes the Florida job because he's had opportunities to go other places but turn them down. But he knows Florida can win. Um, but he had to, he had to get what he wanted. To be successful, and that was the new facility. Obviously, it was already already in the works, but he kind of tweaked it a little bit to how it hit his liking. And then, um, obviously, being able to bring in all the analysts and things of that nature. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, it ain't going to work. I mean, I shouldn't say it's not, but it's not going to happen overnight. And it's going to take time for him to get the players that they want, that fit their system, that they can play at a high level. Um, but he is clearly, in my opinion, the best guy for the job. I mean, he's outstanding.
1: Shane, we really appreciate your time, and uh, it's always great to have Gator greats on. You certainly were one of the best that ever put on a uniform at Florida.
3: Well, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, hopefully it'll be a fun year. And uh, if you're not watching it on TV, Tune in on the radio and listen to myself and Sean, and uh, hopefully we can win some ball games.
1: Awesome. <laughs> if you'll hang on the line, we'd like to get a show liner from you, and we appreciate it. Look forward to hearing you. Thanks, Shane. Best of luck in the new gig.
2: Yes, sir. Y'all take care. Thank
1: All, you. Right. All right. You're listening to Ronnie O. and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF.
0: Talk Radio 96.7, you have crossed over into the O-Zone. The O-Zone with Ronnie Owen and Coach Joe coming at you this Thursday night, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into
1: cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the O-Zone. Man, that was a fun interview with Shane Matthews. He's very knowledgeable and um, looking forward to his analysis of the Gator Games this year and listening to that. I always listen in the stadium when I'm sitting there, have my headphones on and um, I tell you what, the Tampa Bay Rays have gotten hot. they won six in a row, swept the Angels. Mike Trout hit a couple of shots for home runs, but it wasn't enough for the Angels. You know, not today, but last night, the Rays won a game in extra innings against the Angels, and it never ceases to amaze me that when I was a kid, guys spent a lot more years in the minor leagues, and when they came up, they were refined Not only as hitters, but they were also refined in the finer points of the game. They could bunt, they played good defense. Now if you can hit the baseball, you're coming up. They're gonna put you in there, especially if you can hit home runs. Well, the Rays won the game. They had a runner on third, and there was a chopper hit to the first baseman for the Angels, and it was pretty high. He had to jump up to catch it. Well, he just threw it almost before he threw it before his feet were set. He threw it away. And he had the guy out by Two steps at least, and the guy knew he was out for the raise. He didn't even sl- he didn't he didn't touch the plate, but he after he threw it away he had time to go back and touch the plate. They win the game in extra innings. Did you see that game, Joe?
2: The extra inning game. Yeah. Uh, no, unfortunately I didn't see it. I did hear about it though. Like you said, it's 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 amazing how stuff like like that happens in, in baseball. You know, I you, you see the little league World Series and you see some cleaner, smarter yeah. <laughs> baseball than some of the stuff. The- in a play called the bunt. Oh yeah, that doesn't exist in major league baseball no. anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah, especially now that uh, they have designated hitters in in both leagues. You know, who's going to bunt anymore? Yeah. Yeah, I think Yeah, they, exactly. Ma- managers just don't like to do it. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because in extra innings, you know, they start the runner on second, yeah. it would seem like get the guy to third and then and then get him in. Yeah,
1: you know? fly ball wins you the game then if yeah. if you're the home yeah.
2: team. Yeah. But uh, the Rays do win again today. Uh four hits for Margot. He's back, you know, with it. it's, the Rays are starting to get guys healthy. Wandi Franco had a little bit of a setback on uh, his rehab stint. So uh, that, that could be troublesome. But they're very much in contention. There's three wildcard teams in each league this year. Uh, that's new. So the Rays are currently in that third spot, but they're right right within a game or two of Toronto in the top wild card spot. And uh, uh, within sight of the Yankees now, they, they, they've have the gap that was there about a month ago. The Yankees have been playing badly. The Rays have been playing well. And, in fact, they'd be even closer except for they were about to sweep the Yankees last week in a gut-wrenching <laughs> grand slam walk-off to lose in oh, extra yeah. innings. Oh, wow. That could that could prove costly if they if they want to make a run at the division. But they're looking more like a playoff team, and they're looking like a very strong offensive team. They're really knocking the cover off the ball right now.
1: Yeah, they wasted a real fine pitching performance from McClanahan that ended up winning. That's I think that's the game they won in extra innings, wasn't it? Do it. Yeah, it was tied like one-one, and he had really pitched a strong game. But he faced an opponent who was pitching a strong <laughs> game too, and so they, he ended up not getting a win. But a win's a win, so there's no such thing as a bad win.
2: Well, it was an important home stand for the Rays. Uh, they were playing Kansas City and they're playing the Angels, and they only lost one game in that home stand. So uh, uh, that that's they've now within seven games of the of the Yankees in the division. And, in fact, updated standings. They have actually jumped ahead of Toronto in the wild-card chase. So uh, they are – and they are, I think, half a game behind Seattle in the wild-card. So they're the number two wild-card right now.
1: Just to switch gears for a minute, I heard an interesting statistic today in uh, Penn State. I mean, you think about Penn State, Franco Harris, Lydell Mitchell, Kajana Carter – uh, they've had some great running backs from Penn
2: State. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, yeah. He's he's really good. Yeah. He stays healthy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, last year, Penn State had a lousy rushing attack. Take a guess what the longest touchdown run they had from scrimmage.
2: Oh, I think I know this one. This was from the quarterback, too. Wasn't it against Auburn, about 20 yards or so? Seven yards. Seven? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Maybe I guess that wasn't a, a, a running play, <laughs> what I'm thinking of. Yeah, They play at Auburn this year, by the way. It I was shocked. Game.
1: Seven-yard touchdown run, the longest from them. I mean, that's a school that's known
2: for their running attack. And they just
1: they couldn't run it
2: last year. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might have been one of the reasons they struggled struggled a bit because they still rely on the running game. It is what, what they're best at because they're not known for – being a high-flying, great passing team. They've had some good quarterbacks over the years. But uh, uh, but generally, it's like you said, they're known for for running the ball and the running backs and the big offensive linemen.
1: You know, Nick Saban got an extension which is well-deserved. I mean, Nick Saban, I think, is the best that's ever it's done it. It's hard, hard to argue. Yeah.
2: yeah, he's got a – last 20 years, uh, he's been pretty good, about six or seven national titles. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know,
1: the thing is you talk to old Alabama fans – And they're reluctant to say he's better than Bear Bryant. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. The Bear was great, but the Bear did not have to play an SEC championship game, and he didn't have a playoff game. People were voting back then. You know, in 1966, you could make a case that they should have won the national championship that year. They went undefeated. But the bear had it easier plus the bear ran the sec and you know he didn't play florida and he didn't play georgia on a regular basis of course we weren't always great but georgia was pretty good most of those times and uh, they always played one extra sec game so they won sec titles by half a game sometimes <laughs> because they didn't they played an extra game
2: well it's it's like what we were talking about briefly there with shane it's a uh, different world now than it was then. And even back when Saban was first getting started in the early 2000s with L S Michigan state and then LSU, uh, you know, so what the bear did worked back then. And, uh, but to win now you need to do what Saban does. You know, he seems, you think of how bear Bryant coached versus how Nick Saban yeah. coached. Now there's some fundamental stuff that stays the same and the organizational stuff, but, uh, it's a very, very different world. Uh, and, and so whether one is better than the other, I think they're the, each the best of their time. Yes, oh no doubt.
1: Yeah. So. And both of them, I think, had in common that they were adaptable. I mean, Bear Bryant saw he had to integrate his football team, mm-hmm. and he did after Sam Bam Cunningham ran roughshod yeah. over Alabama. And then he went to the wishbone. I mean, they. there's no telling how his career might have turned out had he not done that.
2: Yeah, no, Alabama, of those Alabama. Alabama had produced some great passing quarterbacks over the years. Namath and Stabler jumped to mind right away, and then in the Steve '70s. Steve Sloan. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Yeah, and Bart Starr, I think, preceded Bear Bryant, but uh, but another great Alabama quarterback. Yeah. So they were known for producing quarterbacks. Scott Hunter. Yeah, back then they were known for that, and then but in the '70s you won with the wishbone. For a time. It just worked. Teams right. didn't know, really know how to defend it. And, exactly. Uh, and uh, so he adapted to that and, did, and then ended up doing that better than everybody else.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, one of the things that they could do back then is. There wasn't a scholarship limit, so you could sign guys yeah. <laughs> that you knew couldn't play for you, but you didn't want them playing for the opposition.
2: Yeah, that yeah. Was, that was true. That Alabama had two or three uh, teams worth of players, and, and some of the guys never saw the light of day. Probably oh, some pretty you, talented guys. You're exactly
1: right. I remember in 1979 when the Gators went 0-10 and one, we played Alabama in Gainesville, and Alabama very quietly beat us 40 to nothing. Mm. It could have been 140 to nothing. I'm telling you, they. They put in the second team. They put in the third team. like, those guys just changed jerseys. <laughs> there was no letdown whatsoever. And, you know, the thing is the Gators went 0-10 and won that year. But they started off, they played Houston, a good Houston team out there in the Astrodome, and they lost 14-10. They played Florida State at the last game in Gainesville. Florida State was undefeated, and the Gators almost beat them. There was a horrible, horrible call um, where they gave Alfonso Carricker who was a defensive lineman for Florida State, they gave him an interception that clearly bounced off the turf. And Florida was driving for what would have been the go-ahead score, and Florida State ended up beating us. But, you know, they played several games where they could have won. They tied Georgia Tech that year, but they never gave up. But Charlie Pelsher turned it around after that. He brought in Mike Shanahan as offensive coordinator, and uh, you know, that wasn't something he liked to do. He was Bear Bryant's offensive tackle at Alabama, and he believed in that running game, but he knew he didn't have it, and he brought in Mike Shanahan that changed the Gators perceptibly.
2: Yeah, long before the days of Spurrier, the Gators learned that the best way to beat these Alabamas and Georgias and all that isn't try to run through them, play their game, uh, the Auburns of the world, but to, to pass. And the Gators, when they did it well, when they had Wes Chandler, when they when they were were lighting it up with the great offensive talent like uh Ricky Nateel they were they were winning these big games before Spurrier and Galen Hall was another yeah. one who knew how to who knew how to call offense and uh Spurrier you know what the fact that he was available the fact that he wanted to coach the Gators and the fact that uh, they knew that they wanted to do that Made it possible for the Gators to finally become the power in the SEC by making the rest of the league play our game, which, uh, which they, they did so well.
1: You know, one of the things that is accepted as a truism, but I think it's wrong, and that is the old Woody Hayes slogan that when you run the ball, three things, or when you pass the ball, three things can happen and two of them are bad. Well, the same thing is true of running the ball.
4: Three things can happen:
1: you can gain yardage, lose yardage, or you can fumble it. So, the same thing is true. It was just, you know, convenient to say that because that's what he wanted to emphasize was the running game.
2: Right. Yeah. And those, you know, coaches like Woody Hayes, they had a way of doing things, and they they were not as flexible, and that probably eventually. Uh, cost Hayes' job but uh he was successful on his right hook <laughs> yeah so he was successful but how much more successful could they have been had they been a little bit more innovative than that i mean if if you've got in in that era if you had more talent than everybody else you could just run over them like that uh, or pass over him if that's what you had but in this day and age where the talent ever since they limited scholarships and the talent got spread out more, so more good teams, more people on, on TV, now you have to be more innovative and adaptable and, and Saban's good at it. And uh, we're adaptable too, including the fact that we have to adapt to this break. But when we come back, we're going to give away $30 to the Lakeland Alehouse on our sports quiz here in the Ozone. Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.
3: What's up everybody? This is Matt Laporta, the Florida Gators' career home run leader and former MLB player. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone.
0: Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. They turn scrap metal into cash. What well, you say? Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie O and
1: Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And I know you're sitting out there right now. Your stomach is growling. Your dialing finger is itchy. You can't wait because you know we're about to give away a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. So, here you go. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Here's the question. Our guest earlier was Shane Matthews, Steve Spurrier's first quarterback at the University of Florida. What number did Shane Matthews wear? Was it A, ten? B11 or C9. Give us a call, 682 1430. That's 682 1430 if you're hungry and thirsty, and we will send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House where you can enjoy their 40 strategically located television sets. And they have drinking meal specials every night of the week, and you can eat and drink a lot for $30 out there. So 682 1430. You got three chances, and it's multiple choice. So we got somebody that's hungry and thirsty already, Coach Joe.
2: Oh, well, yeah, sure. Shane's a popular guy. But I bet, do we have a caller who knows the answer to what number did Shane Matthews wear? Was it 10, 11, or 9?
1: And we've got somebody on the line.
2: This might be Shane Matthews himself. He's eligible. He has I bet he's hungry the last and six thirsty. months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting down here.
1: All right, Robert, how you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How are you? Fantastic. You hadn't won recently, have you?
4: No, I don't think I ever have actually.
1: Okay, you ever been out at the ale house? Yes, sir. All right. Well, what number did Shane Matthews wear at Florida? Was it ten, eleven, was, or nine? He
4: was, he was number nine.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, what do you like to eat when you go out at the
2: ale house? Uh,
4: usually, something pasta or. or- like wings or something along those lines. Yeah, ah. the, the
2: wings are fantastic. And I have had the pasta from time to time. If I go there at the right time, I tend to go earlier in the day, so it's not really a pasta time for me, but but the pasta there is is amazing. And uh, I hear you. Yeah. And, hey, you know, with uh, football starting up a little bit, soft opening this, this weekend, but then uh, opening – big time next weekend, uh, the ale house is going to be a regular stop for old coach Joe. Watch some of those games. How about you, Robert?
4: Uh, I will be there. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. We, we go out there and eat wings and sit there and tell lies about football. And we, we go out there and have a big time. And, um, well, yeah, I, you know, that I don't know that I've ever had anything bad on their menu. I, I love everything that they have. And, um, like I say, you know, you know that they're drinking meal specials every night of the week, so you can eat and drink a lot for
4: $30. Yes, sir. Who's your favorite well, team? I got, four, I got four kids. I got four kids, so, oh. um, you know, $30, $30 definitely helps when you're taking the crew out to work. To, oh, good. Dinner, so
2: so, so you, get, you can feed all the kids this time. You don't have to, like, tell one of them, no, not you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you were saying, I'm sorry, you started to ask me a question.
1: Yeah, we're going to ask you, how did you know what number Shane Matthews was?
4: Well, my, my first year at Florida was 1990, so oh. uh, I was I was in Florida from 90 to 95, so. All right. Those were the for, best, weren't they? career. Those were the best. That, was, those that was the best time to be a Gator, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, it was. It was. I was a Gator back in the 70s, the 19, not 1870s. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, it, it was kind of rough back then. You know, we didn't even... We just dreamed that one day, if we lived to be about 125, we would win one SEC <laughs> title. Never thought about a national championship. That yeah, was I would have
4: been happier if they'd have done it in 95, because that was my senior year. But, you know, I mean, they made it to the game. They just didn't win it.
1: Yeah, so. you got to see an undefeated regular season anyway, the first in their history. So
4: Exactly, and I repressed all the memories of Tommy Frazier that I can. <laughs> Were you at that game? I did not go to the game, but I'm. I'm actually, in retrospect, I'm kind of glad I didn't.
1: Be glad you didn't. I was there, and it wasn't any more fun in person than it was on TV. <laughs> awesome. You
2: know, uh, you know what? One, I don't know if you noticed this, Ronnie. I was at the game too. That Fiesta Bowl disaster. Uh, after the game, the Nebraska players, of course, remained on the field, and they all started to gather around where the trophy was and and everything. And the Gators got off the field as quickly as possible. But one of them didn't. It was Danny Werfel. He stayed out there. And and was shaking hands and congratulating them, and uh, they even did an interview with him. And of course, he is as usual. Just praise God, you know, mm-hmm. wins your losses. And I knew then that we were going to be okay the next year because because of, because of, Danny Danny Werfel, who got the heck beat out of him, I can say heck, right, <laughs> right, right. <Eric>? Yeah, <laughs> he got the heck beat out of him uh, in that game, and yet he was all class. And uh, it's it's always good, by the way, Robert too. To praise Danny Werfel, any chance you get. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Amen. Robert, hang on the line, and Eric will get your information, and uh, we'll send you out to Yale House. We'll send that information out for you tonight. You can go as soon as tomorrow, and you'll have $30 to claim your prize. 30 days, Thanks, I'm guys. sorry. All right, 30 congratulations. $30. <laughs> yeah, 30 days for $30. Thanks, 30 for 30, there you yeah, go. Yeah, all right. Yeah.
2: We got our own series. There you here. go. I got to watch some <laughs> Gator football. Yeah, there you go.
1: There you go. You know, you're right, Coach Joe, that— Game that thumping the Gators took was the impetus for the championship the next year.
2: You know what I did the next day? Well, I was still in Phoenix before I, I drove back to Las Vegas where I flew home. Uh, I, I went around the mall and I found a Danny Werfel jersey, uh, a really, really nice one, a starter one too. And it was uh, inexpensive because it was the day after the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I bought it that day. Because, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I predicted all the greatness the following year, but I knew I was very optimistic and I wanted to be ready. And so I wore that home.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I still well, have that
2: jersey. Too. <laughs> so,
1: so you were the good luck charm. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll be back next week and um, we'll have another good show for you. Don't know who we're going to have, but I have some ideas and maybe we can get somebody to come in. Um, maybe we can even get somebody from Utah to give us a call and uh Tell us about that great football team they're going to bring into the swamp because they are going to be loaded. But the good news is in their last 10 away games, they're two and eight. So hopefully they're going to be (laughs) two and nine.